You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports and preview Monday Night Football between Tampa. Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with Sage Rosenfels, the former NFL quarterback. Sage, thanks for coming back on the show before we talk about Minnesota. Got to start with the crazy finish of the game between the Patriots and the Steelers. We're all trying to figure out what the definition of a catch is. So based on what we now know, do you think the officials got it right going to replay to overturn the Jesse James touchdown? Yes, I, I think 100% the officials got it right. And I'm actually surprised at the sort of outcry uh, that people, you know, just can't believe that uh, that was not a catch. If you go back to how that rule was written and now been implemented for about, implemented for about the last, uh, oh, you know, seven years, I believe 2010 was the Megatron uh, sort of catch, no catch against the Chicago Bears. Uh, at that point, you pretty much have to have full control of the ball all the way through the catch. Uh, and at any point in time, that ball hits the ground and is, and is dislodged at all. I mean, the way I look at it, you might as well, uh, you have to catch the ball and basically hand the ball to the official uh, without it dropping it in any way. And that did not occur on that play. And, uh, and that was not a catch. And I, I think that was a, a very, very similar play to the Des Bryant play uh, from 2015 playoffs against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, it just smelt and looked and felt like a catch. Uh, but if you follow the rules, it makes a pretty black and white. That was an incomplete pass. Yeah, and, and that's the frustrating part because what we know of sports, you know, the ground I, I thought could never cause an incompletion, but it can cause a fumble. Uh, but that's for another convers- for conversation for another day, Sage. Uh, but being that you've been a part of the Minnesota Vikings uh, organization, tell me about what you see from them after being able to bounce back against a Cincinnati team that was – heavily injured on the defensive side of the football, but they're trying to play for something special, which is trying to get that first seed uh, in the playoffs to actually be able to host uh, their games throughout the entire playoffs if they make it that far. And also, go to the Super Bowl. What do you think about that? Well, it's pretty exciting times in Minnesota. And obviously with them, it starts with their defense. Since Mike Zimmer arrived, their defense has made uh, drastic changes, not just with, with personnel, but with scheme. Uh, and they've made a lot of right moves with draft picks, with free agents. They have a, a you know top three, top four defense in the league. Uh, the last three quarterbacks that have played against the Matt Ryan threw about a 170. Cam Newton for 129 last week. And I think Andy Dalton barely made it over the 100-yard mark this past week. And so it all starts with defense with them. Uh, but what's really been surprising this year, uh, other than Case Keenum, which has been one of those stories the NFL that everyone now knows about, is the offensive line has been a huge surprise. They were probably the worst offensive line in the league last year. Uh, they were last in rushing. Uh, Sam Bradford got sacked uh, a ton of times, about 40 times last year. And, and this year it's been completely different. They've become a very, very solid group. Uh, they went out in free agency and got two guys, two tackles in free agency. They drafted a center uh, in the first round who has started nearly every game for them uh, this season. So uh, everyone thought when Dalvin Cook, the running back uh, out of Florida State, when he got hurt, they were really thought that the, the Vikings' run game was doomed. But it, in, instead, it's gone just the opposite way. Uh, Latavius Murray and, and uh, Jared McKinnon. Uh, Jared McKinnon have done an, an unbelievable job of running the football. The offensive line has been very, very good all year. Uh, they don't get sacked very often. They, they stay on course. Uh, and they put themselves in good situations. So 
uh, it's really been a, a team effort uh, throughout this year with, with the Minnesota Vikings. They're well coached. And that Poof. was that. Hey, hopefully he was on he's a roll. not on fire. Now that's flaming. Yeah, I hope he's not. That on was fire. hot. He got on hot. He got on fire right there. Boom. He's heating up. Oh, he's back. Sage, finish your thought. There he is. There he's back. We've had some cell phone issues, so Cordell and I are now very wary if there's a momentary pause. Oh, I I, I apologize. I apologize. But having all said all that, just the the Vikings, you know, they've had a very good defense for a few years now, uh, but finally their offense is as good as their defense, and, and, you know, they're a top-five offense right now in the National Football League, and Case Keenum uh, has probably been – I think one of the best stories of the 2017 season. Sage Rosenfels, the former NFL quarterback, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Sage, what happened last night in Oakland? I had never seen before, so I wanted to defer to you as a player. Cowboys, Raiders, have you ever seen an index card used as the chains were stretched <laughs> out to determine if it was a first down for Dallas and how much good fortune did they get last night? Uh, I actually have. I, I have seen that happen. I, I believe it was in the last three or four seasons, and I think it was an NFL game too. Uh, I, I feel like it was so close they got an index card out in that situation as well. You know, those those head umpires, head referees always have those index cards uh, for writing different things, penalties and, uh, uh, you know, possession and these different things on those cards. And uh, they obviously had to use it last night. So, I, uh, I love uh, I love the uh, I can't think of the guy's name uh, the, the the official Gene Steratore. Uh, Gene was smiling. Yes, yeah. Gene Gene has he is a, quite the showman, and uh, it was a perfect job. Almost rubbed it in the face of the, of the Oakland Raiders on that play. So uh, it's amazing. With the, the NFL is a thirteen billion dollar annual business, but at the end of the day, we're still using uh, uh, two posts with uh, ten yards of chains on the end of it. And when that doesn't work, we have to get out an index card. Uh, it's amazing that $13 billion business, we're still down to about a $50 piece of machinery. I like to be a part of that owner's meeting when they ask about the the cards and how you determine who, if they got a first down or not. That That's going to be uh, pretty darn interesting. Uh, but when you look in, in, the NF, in the NFC, that is, the Dallas Cowboys have held on long enough uh, to get their running back back into the game. Ezekiel Elliott, they're 8-6 right now. They had a bumpy road along the way within those four games that he was suspended. Uh, but now they they're, seem like they're pretty hot and on fire and ready to get him back to get a good push in these last two games. Give me your, your take on if they were to make it into the postseason, would they be a team to have to be reckoned with in NFC? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one, they, you know, everyone knows about the offensive line and the, and the running game. Just the fact that they're eight and six right now and they've missed Zeke for, you know, these last five or six games, uh, you know, they've stayed in the hunt. And the, right now in the NFC, it's really interesting. You know, the Cowboys, the Lions, uh, you know, they're, they're eight and six. And so it feels like they're sort of out of it. But if you look at the NFC South uh, in that division, the Saints, the Carolina Panthers, and the Atlanta Falcons, uh, they all have to play each other these last two weeks of the season. And right now Atlanta, is, is, uh, they, they have five losses. Uh, so there is a decent chance that one of those three teams uh, loses uh, uh, two games here at the end of the year and somebody like the Detroit Lions or the Dallas Cowboys slips into the playoffs uh, you know, probably in the last quarter of the season, uh, you know, last quarter of the last game of the season. 
Chatting with Sage Rosenfeld. Sage, there's a direct parallel between the Vikings and the Eagles now, both being led by backup quarterbacks in Philadelphia's Nick Foles, who people forget was once the MVP of the Pro Bowl. Four touchdowns yesterday, comeback victory on the road against the Giants. How much you buy in the Eagles if they have home field advantage needing to win two playoff games at home to go to the Super Bowl? Well, a couple of things here. Yeah, as you said, you know, it's sort of the battle of the backups who so far Nick Foles has played well. I mean, he sort of has played as well as Case Keenum has played for the Vikings. I think if you look at the two teams, the defenses are what separates them right now. And through about the first 13, 14 weeks of the NFL season, the Philadelphia defense was outstanding. I mean, they were top five, top ten defense in the league. They were very stout. Jim Schwartz's unit over there. Uh, but uh, these last couple of weeks, including this last week, I mean, Eli Manning threw for 429 yards yesterday. So uh, their defense doesn't seem to be quite as stout as, say, the Vikings defense, which is, you know, is one of the best in the league. So that might be, as we talk about December football, uh, January football, and on to the Super Bowl, we all know that offense does a lot of things. But at the end of the day, a lot of times teams with the better defense are the ones who win these playoff games. Says so when you look at the Rams, um, we know they lost to the Seattle Seahawks early on, Minnesota, and also Philadelphia, which arguably at the time were the better, better one of the better teams uh, in the NFC. Uh, but this butt whooping they gave to Seattle on the road, how much confidence do you have in this football team considering that they did lose, but they found ways to bounce back, and now they're 6-1 and one with that win against Seattle um, on the road as far as road wins are concerned. Is this a team that can really make some noise in the, in, in the uh, in the near future when it comes to playing in the postseason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team is is set up sort of the old-fashioned way. They've got a very good defense, which they've had for a long time with the Rams, whether it's St. Louis or L.A. Or LA. But you know, now their offense is very, very good, and, and, and in particular in the running game. So if you look at those sort of classic uh, you know, playoff-type teams, run the football, play good defense, the L.A. Rams have that recipe. And uh, I think what was really – uh, exciting for Rams fans about yesterday's game was, I mean, that was basically a playoff game for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, they're eight and five going to that game. They're playing at home. They got to have this win to even have a chance really to stay in the playoff hunt. And they get absolutely blown out uh, by their division rival. So uh, it, that, that is a very, very good sign for this LA Rams team. They might be playing some of the best football of anybody uh, coming here in December. Dave, last one for me. Credit the tenacity of Aaron Rodgers coming back from the broken collarbone. But he had three interceptions yesterday for the first time since 2009. Do you think that was a byproduct of rust, or should we give credit to the Carolina defense? Well, he got to be a little rusty. I mean, he spent the last two months you know, not throwing full speed to his wide receivers and, and out there with the full pads on. Uh, there's no way that he's lifted weights at, at the same level that you know most quarterbacks do throughout the, uh, the length of an NFL season. And uh, if you look at his interceptions yesterday, uh, at least two of the three were thrown short. Uh, he threw one on the run. Uh, and and we've, also, we've, well, we've all seen Aaron Rodgers play uh, enough over the course of his career that he just doesn't miss guys open very often. And two, two of his interceptions yesterday were balls that were thrown you know, just two or three yards short. And, uh, and, and Aaron usually doesn't have that issue. He's got probably the strongest arm in the NFL uh, and, and rarely misses guys that are open and in both those situations. Uh, guys were open on the play. So, yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers was rusty yesterday. But it was I'll tell you what, it was much better having him back in the league. The NFL is a better league uh, with guys like, you know, superstars like Aaron Rodgers out there throwing the football around. You know, when, when he was throwing the ball, 
uh, accurately and completing passes. Uh, it was a beautiful thing to watch. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, uh, if not the best player in the NFL. Sage, great information as always. Thanks right, for joining Thanks us again on tonight. the NFL on Tune, and happy holidays. Yep, you too. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey guys, you're listening to Dumb People Town on TuneIn. And since we're new here, we thought we'd tell you a little bit about our show. We have dumb ears on the ground. Our fans send in stories that have happened, real stories that have happened. And along with our co-host, we Dan, try to break down that material with Dan Van Dan Kirk. Van Kirk, our co-host, breaks it down. And then us and again, we and a guest break it all down. And we try and make it funny for you. It is a fast hour and you will enjoy it. It's a riff it fast. Silly. You can hear episodes of our show uh, a full week early right here on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's focus on today's top headlines with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. Frank, as always, we appreciate the time because we have to start with the crazy conclusion of the game in Pittsburgh. What did you make of replay overturning the Jesse James touchdown and then Ben Roethlisberger throwing the pick? I I think I'm surprised at how many people think the call was wrong when they reversed it. We've watched enough football now to know that's the call. The NFL is going to look at that call and say, yep, you got it exactly right the way the rule book is written. Now, we can talk about the rule book. We can talk about the catch rule because it probably does need to be overhauled. But it amazes me that anybody who's watched football for the past seven, eight years looked at that play and thinks the referee got it wrong. That was a call. That That is not a catch in the NFL's book. Uh, but yet, you know, I, if you want to talk about do we need a new catch rule, yes, absolutely, no doubt. But I think, look, ultimately, the officials got it right. Based on what the rule book says, that's the rule. That's just how it goes. And then the end was just, boy, you just, I mean, I don't know how the Steelers threw that interception. I mean, throw it into the fourth row of the stands at that point when he's covered. I, I don't I don't know what Ben was doing on that play. We just have to put the 12th man on the roster, Frank, and say it's called Ground Johnson. The ground is now a part of the game where it could cause, it could cause a fumble. But I think Brian asked the question of how do you think it was handled for us, how even – uh, ben Roethlisberger responded by saying that that call came from the sideline because he wanted to do something else, but yet Ben Roethlisberger said he got something from the sideline. Give me your take on Ben and how it seems as if when things don't go right, he has a tendency every once in a while, and correct me if I'm wrong, to throw a lot of people under the bus, bus whether uh-huh. it's the head coach, whether it's the offensive coordinator, whether it's his receivers, whether it's his running back would want to get a new deal because it's a business. How do you see this actually working out as time progresses with that behavior coming from Ben where he's just letting so much out laundry when it comes down to what he thinks is going on and, and it's letting people know what's happening? Yeah, I'm not a fan of that either from him. And just going back to the play that we're talking about, I mean, I thought Rodney Harrison said it well, and I'm sure you've said it on the show, Cordell, and I, I'm, I assume you agree with this. That what Ben said doesn't make any sense. Zero. <laughs> you don't, Zero you know, sense. it just, it just it, none of that adds up. I mean, because Eli Rogers ran a route. Somebody had, he doesn't have a green dot on his helmet. Nobody's telling him that from the sideline. Eli Rogers ran a route for a reason, and it's, it, it, that comes from the quarterback. So what Ben says doesn't really make any sense. And even if it does, even if it happens exactly how Ben laid it out, 
once you you've played in this league for what's his thirteenth year, I think fourteenth year. You've played in this league long enough to know that when one guy's running around, he's double covered, and the game's on the line. You don't try to force it into double coverage there. He just throw the ball into the ground, live and fight another day. So, I mean, I, you know, Ben screwed it up. I, I don't – but like, I think you touched on it exactly. Ben does have a tendency of throwing guys under the bus, and it goes back to, you know, when, when Antonio Brown – had some theatrics. I think it was against the Baltimore Ravens. And he came over to the sideline, turned over a Gatorade cooler. Well, that's not the best thing either. But then Ben basically blasts him in the media right. for you know having a temper tantrum. Well, I've seen Ben show up, guys, for not running the right route on there. I've seen him show, show up in Tony Brown for doing that. So I, I don't know. I, I, Ben's a great quarterback. He's he's. He's going to the Hall of Fame someday, but yeah, sometimes you just wonder what are you what are you doing, Ben? Do you really need to be doing this, to your teammates? Taking you around the league with Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. Frank, let's head to Jacksonville. Jags are going to the playoffs for the first time since 2007. The issue has been as much as we embrace their defense, Blake Bortles traditionally a turnover machine. Well, that's changed at least in a small sample size. Seven touchdowns, no picks the last three games. So now that the Jags are going to the postseason, how dangerous is this team? I mean, if if Blake can play like this, and you know, he's not going to see this Houston Texans in the playoffs. There are going to be better teams waiting for him. But if we just remove, look, sometimes guys get just – just get stuck with, you know, what, what we think of their reputations. They just get stuck with it forever, and we're never going to move on from it. And Ben and uh, Blake Bortles has gotten stuck with the reputation of being a bad quarterback. And, and in many ways, he's earned that. But if we remove that and we just look at the last three weeks, he's played great football. He's averaging 300 yards a game. And yesterday, look, Marquise Lee goes down. Leonard Fournette's not in the lineup. And he's throwing the guys who I've never heard of. I've never heard of Jaden Mickens. I don't even know his name right. Is Jane or Jalen Mickens? I, but here, here's this guy on my TV scoring touchdowns, and here's you know Keelan Cole, who is an undrafted rookie, going for 160 some yards, and that's what good quarterbacks do. I mean, he's Blake Bortles wasn't just throwing the balls up to guys like DeAndre Hopkins. We're going to make plays for him. He was making undrafted rookies uh, stars yesterday. I, I don't know if this is going to continue, but if Blake can play anywhere near this, and look, and once it comes to January, do I trust Blake Bortles? No, not really, but if he can play anywhere near this in January, the Jaguars, they're as good as anybody in the AFC because we know that defense is nasty. We know Fournette can run the ball. We just have questions about whether Blake can get it done, and if he plays at this level, the Jaguars will go a really long way in January. Well, let me say this, Frank. No one wants to see that football team in the AFC. I guarantee you what they did to the Steelers and everyone else they played against, they let it be known that it starts with their defense, their running game, and Blake Bortles just do his part well enough, they could be pretty darn exceptional. And and, and let me just say this about exceptional. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he goes into San Francisco, Frank, and he's playing the style of football um, I would say that Tom Brady is doing just on a lower level. I mean, I don't want to jump the gun too far, but he's coming from that that regime, that background, that understanding of football, and he's allowing this football team to look as if they can compete every single week. He beats the two teams they have left on their roster. Does he get a big contract yeah, I, or does he get a, a franchise tag? I, I think that whatever he asks for, they got to give it to him, right? I mean, they got to steal and – it's not just that, you know, you, you trade a second-round pick for a quarterback who looks like he's going to be a starter for a long time. Now you have a top 
five pair, six pick, whatever. Jimmy's kind of screwing up the draft pick. Like, that's a good problem to have. But, he, you know, going three, you know, it's screwed up the draft pick. But let's say they have a, a high pick and a quarterback is there. They can trade down. If somebody's really, you know, hot for Josh Allen, the 49ers can now trade down and, and get a bunch more picks, make up for trading this second for Jimmy. I, it was a steal. It's going to go down as one of the better trades any team has made in a really long time. I think Jimmy's legit. I don't know if he's ever going to be a, an MVP quarterback, but he can be very good. He can be good enough for you to win games. He's he's everything that they thought he was going to be. And what I don't, you know, the contract stuff is going to get tricky because Jimmy keeps playing like this. Like you said, if he finishes it out, if he goes, you know, finishes it out, plays another two good games, he can come to the table and ask for a lot more money. We probably think a guy with you know seven eight career starts probably should get, but. Boy, he's earned it. I don't know how you can think no right now if you're a 49ers. Looking at a minimum, it feels like, of 50 to $60 million guaranteed. Frank Schwab, oh, Yahoo yeah. Sports, is our guest, unless the Niners use the franchise tag, and that's $24 million for one year. Let's talk about the Rams. Destroying the Seahawks in Seattle felt like that game was a changing of the guard, and Todd Gurley was sensational. Frank, as we think about the Rams as a playoff team, what's their postseason outlook? I mean, they could go as far. They won a Super Bowl. Why not? I mean, there's no fatal flaw with this team. The quarterback's playing really well. They can run the ball. Their offensive line's a lot better. They're coached well. They're good on special teams. They have the best defense player in football, Aaron Donald, and good players around him, too. There's just no reason to believe that this team can't win at all. And the NFC's up for grabs. I mean, even down to the wildcard teams, if – the Seattle Falcons get in, and the Panthers are obviously going to get in. Anybody in the NFC can win, you know, I mean, win it all. The Saints can, the Vikings can, the, you know, whoever you want to throw out there, they can win it all, and so can the Rams, and that's crazy given where they were a year ago, firing their coach midseason, and here they are, they just blowing out the Seahawks. This team is, they're really good. They're they're just, I don't, I do wonder about the experience factor. I mean, this will be Jared Goff's first playoff game. It's going to be Sean McVay's first playoff game as a coach, too. And I do think that matters to an extent. But if you told me the Rams win the Super Bowl this year, yeah, okay, well, why not? You talked about the Rams. It was a surprise team. I think we all are uh, saying that, especially with Jared Goff and how things looked last year. But it's obviously different with Sean McVay. And how about Minnesota with Case Keenum and this football team? You know, I've went on my rant and had fun with Case Keenum, and I've been liking him since last year and the year before that. And, I mean, he's he's going over and beyond what's expected of him. But it's becoming – it's real now. You know, this team needs to really figure out – what they cannot do in order to be pretty successful because when they are doing the things they're supposed to do, they're a very hard football team to beat, even with Case Keenum. Absolutely. I mean, what a job by Mike Zimmer and that staff, by the way. I mean, if you count out Teddy Bridgewater, they're basically down to their third option at quarterback. They lost Alvin Cook. who They, they built their offense around Alvin Cook in the offseason. You could tell. I mean, first few weeks of the season, he was their guy. He goes down. And they're going to miss a beat. And it's a great coaching job by them. They've done fa- just a fantastic job. And, and at some point, you just have to shrug your shoulders and say, I don't know how this happened, but Case Keenum is one of the top 10 to 12 best quarterbacks in the league right now. And just look at the numbers. Look at him play, the eyeball test, anything you want to do. Case Keenum's at that level, and that's going to make things really interesting in the offseason because he becomes a free agent. Now, the, the Vikings have Bridgewater, Bradford, and Keenum as free agents. What do they do? What do they pay? And if, if they don't pay Keenum, 
look at it. Mike Lennon can make fifteen million a year or whatever he got, and Osweiler got eighteen million. What's Case Keenum going to get after you know if the Vikings go thirteen and three and he plays at this level? It's going to be, he's going to have a really interesting offseason. And what if they win a Super Bowl? They can. I mean, there's there's nothing holding them back from from doing the whole thing. I mean, they're that good with that defense. So I, I I didn't see it coming. I like Case Keenum well enough, I guess, but. Boy, I mean, the fact that the, the Rams last year had Keenum and Goff and had one of the worst offenses we've seen in many years just is such a bad, bad uh, sign for that coaching staff that got fired there. Finally, Frank, what do you make of what's happened with the Panthers on Friday night? We found out the team was conducting their own investigation of owner Jerry Richardson. Two days later last night, we find out he's selling the team, and today he has stepped aside from the day-to-day operations of the club. The weirdest part of this has been that it's just a footnote to all of it. But the fact that the Panthers are just going about these announcements like it's a pure coincidence, like it's, they're not even acknowledging the allegations. Like Jerry, like like Jerry Richardson woke up on Sunday and was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna sell the team today." And he woke up today and was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna give up day to day operations to focus on the sale." Like, yeah, let's acknowledge that there's something's going on here. I mean, that's kind of weird. I. It's just, it's just bad. It's bad for everybody involved. It's bad for the Panthers. It's bad for the team that's ten and four and doesn't want to deal with this. I think I will say this: this may be inconsequential too, but. I think Ron Rivera is the best guy for this situation. I think he's a great coach, a good leader. He's going to keep that team focused. And like Doc Rivers with the with the Donald Sterling stuff in uh, 2014, I think Rivera's the face of the franchise now. I mean, as far as just he's the guy out front every day doing press conferences, and he's the guy who's going to get asked about this. And I think he's the perfect guy for the Panthers now in that spot. I think he's going to say the right things, do the right things, lead this franchise in ways he didn't prepare to be leading them four days ago, but he's a good guy for that. And then, look, this is going to get crazy in the offseason. Who knows what's what's going to happen with the sale and whatnot. But it's, I, I just can't remember a story that escalated this quickly. I mean, in 48 hours, we went from, oh, wow, there's a report about Jerry Richardson to he's selling the team. I mean, he's been their owner 25 years. This is just a crazy story. Frank, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports, taking us around the NFL. And Cordell, you have mentioned in passing, I believe you own a piece of a sports bar in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, do you want to write a big check and own a piece of the Panthers? They're going to be up for sale at the end of the season. Well, we don't have that much money. How many billion? Oh, at a minimum, two billion. Two. Right. That's the floor. I can't even get in line. How about that one? I mean, we can look at the line from where we are. See how long, maybe how short that line will be of people. But we know Diddy and we saw uh, Stephen Curry uh, there with the Golden State Warriors point guard um, saying, I, you know, I want to pitch in kind of deal. But um, I don't know how real that is or is it being sarcastic. But I saw it on social media. Um, and I tell you what, man, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very lucrative business if, if you're capable of getting in that one because – just think of all the paraphernalia when it comes down to that existing team that travels around the globe. I'm just going to say the globe, not the country, the globe, because it's a global brand. Like tuning, global brand. Like we are, right? Right on there. It is, baby. So say, hey, um, you have an opportunity, and then you, ha- then you own the stadium. It's his. Parking, everything. Everything that's affiliated with that facility there in Charlotte. Um, it's his. And then the statue. 
So what happens to his statue? Does he take it down? I think he takes it with him. Does he take that and put that well, in his backyard somewhere? Because, Cordell, he's not selling just, as Frank said, based on the whim of a moment. Go to Sports Illustrated. You can read the allegations of sexual harassment and some alleged racially insensitive language. Yeah, and I mean, look, man, you know, if people haven't noticed as of lately, society has became become extremely hypersensitive about everything. Look through the landscape of organizations, government, now sports, even. Um, it's getting to the point where it's, it's, it's out there. And so, you, you know, while it, now it's gotten everyone's attention, you got to be careful. Now, you got to do your job. Don't get me wrong. Our job is to say what we say and mean what we say when we say it, you know, and, and, and be respectful to those listening. And sometimes just don't give a damn and say what you feel. Just get it out. But, and it requires that every once in a while. Uh, but, you know, come on, man. You're about to get rid of your organization? You're about to let that go? Take the cash? <sighs> you must have said some real incriminating and crazy things for that to happen. And that's unfortunate for the team that the owner has set the precedence or has been set by owners even. And it gets to this point where one of them have to get rid of their business because of some of the business that's been divvied out from himself via his act or things that he said. Allegedly. So it, it's These not are a allegations. Look. Remember, we don't know yes. all the facts. And this is all. But to have that conversation to be had that you, you find out a, a guy who is one of the only owners who also played in a game, now having that conversation, that narrative being created, that he's talking about giving up, allegedly, his company. Yeah, that's... And from what I understand, from what I read, it said it's not going to be addressed till after the season. Correct. Which I think is very respectful to the players and the coaches and also the staff. Especially with the Panthers the probably offices. going to the playoffs, right? You don't want to carry that that burden, which it's going to follow them anyway. It's going to be had. That someone's you know someone's going to want a hot take and going to ask the question. You know it's coming because as as the people want to say, they're just doing their job. So you got to be prepared for it. But I tell you, man, that, that's. It's a tough pill to swallow, and, and it's not a good look, even with it circling around being a, uh, alleged conversations uh, that, that's going to be had or been had so far up until this point. But, um, you know, again, you got to be careful, man, and unfortunately it's circling around the National Football League and through the media to where you have to address it and use terms like alleged, you know, because he's been a big part of the infrastructure and thing that's taking place in that community. Uh, this team has gone to two championships. Jake DeLome and also Cam Newton um, has taken this team to championships, and uh, that's a big part of the winning ways in that community, along with Michael Jordan and his brand with his with his team and the Charlotte Hornets. So it, it's um, it, it's a shook up day. I don't think it's a necessarily a sad day quite yet, but it's a shook up day. But hopefully, as we all know, when something comes out hot and heavy at that moment. Within the next day or two, it kind of suppresses and subsides a little bit, and you move forward with a couple wins here and there. It kind of, you know, shuts down all that conversation until that time actually comes. And I hopefully, I hope that's what happens for that team because um, right now it's really about this team winning their opportunities actually to get into the postseason. Brian Weber. Going to be you. fascinating to see who emerges as the owners or the sole owner or a group replacing Jerry Richardson when the team officially is up for sale at the end of Carolina's run, which could be deep into the month of January. They could wind up in the Super Bowl once more. 
NFC is just so rugged and hard to get a real handle on who's going to emerge from that crowded pack. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Listen to TuneIn on your time with TuneIn On Demand. Jumping on a flight or planning a long road trip? Download episodes of your favorite podcasts or audiobooks. And enjoy hours of great audio content no matter where you are. When you're ready to escape, head to your favorites, hit play, and listen. With or without a Wi-Fi connection. Featuring top podcasts and audiobooks in every genre, save your data with TuneIn On Demand. Download your favorites today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Cordell and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on Monday Night Football. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Cordell, let's start with the Tampa Bay point of view. We have the report from our NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network last week. There's friction between Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston. Cutter could be on the hot seat. And how about this for coincidence? Guess who's getting inducted tonight into the Bucks' ring of honor? John Gruden, because he's Ooh. calling the game for ESPN. How about that? Well, so so what are you so what are you leading me to? Go ahead. I'm calling them groomers. They're not rumors. It's Gruden plus rumors equals groomers. If and we're not talking about dogs and canines. If the job opens up, you're going to hear speculation. Gruden would be interested. He still lives in the area. Has a good relationship with ownership. Oh, don't call it a comeback. Gruden's been here for years. Well, I tell you what. Um. If that were to happen, where Gruden would leave the actual studios of doing a little Monday night football with there with ESPN, I mean, that would be a big move. I mean, he lost all his weight, right? Looked like he's getting in shape for something, right? I mean, is it okay to, to you know, speculate that maybe he lost weight to get himself in shape to, to maybe do a job? You could do whatever you want. A reminder, you tried to light me on fire metaphorically earlier in this hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it's, it's warranted. I'm still recovering from that moment, but oh, finish no, you, your thought. You, you're yeah. still on fire right now? Uh, well, Blow him up again. It's a talk show we talk, my man. It's hard <laughs> to talk when I'm in fuego. So I well, just I mean, wanted hey, you to fa- think about know, Fantastic Four, baby. They got a fire wow, guy on there, too. He's nice. a bad one, too, by the way. At least I'm not the thing. So just think about that. Gruden's name is going to be percolating. Let's talk about the game itself. Not much to dissect in terms of the matchup. Falcons are going to win, and I think win convincingly. Are you with me, or what's your final score outlook? Uh, here it is. Let me give people just a little bit more. Four games, Jameis Winston threw nine, nine interceptions in four games. In this team, uh, in the Atlanta Falcons, uh, they're, they're one of the top teams in the National Football League, and they only have four turnovers. I think the favor goes over to the Atlanta Falcons of being able to get turnovers and forcing the hand to do so. Um, I just think... It's it's a mess there in Tampa right now. Um, when you start hearing stories about the head coach and the quarterback not getting along of all conversations, of all conversations, that's one that should never be had. Um, but it is, uh, allegedly, is happening. Um, I just think Atlanta's going to be too much because Atlanta has more to play for. And uh, I think Jameis Winston has really hadn't evolved yet into the quarterback. I think we all anticipated him evolving into. All right, we got a minute left. So... 
If Atlanta wins this game, are they definitively going to the playoffs with a record of 9-5? and five? Well, we still have to see more from, from the rest of the season. We, right? There's still two more games They're left. going to New Orleans on Sunday. They could lose that game. I see them losing that game. And then we still need help from other teams like the Dallas Cowboys. You need help from the Seattle Seahawks again. You know, you still need that help. You need help from Detroit. So it, it's still more football to be played. Now, they went out. Sure, they, they may with the help of the other teams I just well, mentioned if, losing. If they win out, they win the division. That's in front of them. They control their is. path to the playoffs. Whoop, there it is. But I think if they lose, if they lose to New Orleans, they win uh, the other game, and then they get the help from the other teams. I think they have a chance of being a wild card in that division. But then you need help from Carolina too. But three teams can't come out that division, so just for sake of conversation. Okay. Well, it's a talk show. We talk. We talk a lot. Lot I'm not hot on fire. fire. On, why are you on fire? Well, we talk. I'm going to put a bucket over my head. You enjoy <laughs> Monday Night Football, and we'll do it again tomorrow. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. It's NFL No Huddle on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.